0: Don't clap for Larry. How many times do I have to tell y'all? No, don't. Don't clap for Larry. Oh, goodness. It just gets to his head, guys. I'm just adding to the problem. How are y'all doing? <laughs> I'm kidding. Larry's great. Um, I had an announcement to make, too, but I forgot what it was. So, it must must have been good. Um, happy America weekend. All right, y'all, got, y'all got plans for uh, July 4th? Good. I hope you have fun. Um, I don't have plans. In case any of y'all wanted to invite me. <laughs> there, if there's free barbecue somewhere, I, I wouldn't mind coming. Um, <clears throat> so, we are talking about core values um, as we are drawing toward the end of this month. On the last Sunday of this month, if you are a member, this is how you become a member at Life Church. You get this card, they're back there in the. And the entry room thing, I don't know what we call that room. Do we have a name for it? (laughs) The runway? (laughs) That's weird. Uh, For those of you that don't know, whenever we were going to move into this building, um, I did this brilliant pastoral thing where I asked the entire church, hey, what do you think we should call our room that we're all going to gather in? That was a mistake. Because they had all kinds of really religious, weird kinds of things. Because I just, like, I just call it sanctuary, you know. It's a sanctuary. It's where you come and meet. And the, people are like, sanctuary? What is that? Like, they'd never heard sanctuary before. So weird. And so I still call it the sanctuary. But they were like, no, let's call it the worship palace or thing. Like, the, No, they had all kinds of weird. Let's call it life room. Like, life room, look, here's the problem. I, we oh, This is not a democracy. I don't care about y'all's votes. Don't care at all. People were creating fake accounts so they could come in and vote, okay? So y'all know how voting works in America. Anyway, it's going to be fun today, guys. It's going to be fun. So, they, so they, they said life room. The problem with life room is that would imply that there's the opposite somewhere. Um, and there's no death room. Like sometimes the bathroom smells like a death room, but there's no death room. Okay, so we didn't want to call it the life room. We didn't call it the worship center. or So we're just calling it that room where we sit and meet. Anyway, out in the front, there's uh, these cards. Um, and these cards, this is how you become a member. Um, pick up one of these cards. If you, this, if you think this might be your church and you haven't filled one of these out yet, come check it out. Look, there's all this information on the card. It says what we believe. Um, it it kind of directs you to, um, you can go to the website to find out what we believe. Um, We uh, four-square churches are unique. Every every four-square church is different. Um, They have a different way that they express these beliefs because they all believe these same things. But they have a different way that they express those beliefs. And so um, I I may be a little biased, but this is my favorite church in the history of churches. Um, So I know some of you all feel the same way. Um, So as we get closer to that, the way that you – um, can make you, you can vote if you become a member you can vote if you're not a member your vote just doesn't count um, but you 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 can vote if you're a member um, and we are uh, we are going to nominate a few people from our church that are qualified to be on the church council and so um, you can vote for them or you can vote for anyone you literally you can vote for for Mickey Mouse if you want like you can vote for anyone but Mickey Mouse is not qualified so, uh, And we will look over the people that are qualified uh, in order to be on the council. Um, but if you're not a member, this is the first step. Unlike American Express, membership has no privileges except you get to vote. That's, your, that's the whole thing. You don't get a special covered parking spot in the back. You don't have a special spot if you're a member. You don't have a special seat. Um, I like it when people sit in somebody's regular seat that don't know because they, they walk over and they're like – you know, and they just have an attitude, you know. Our people aren't really like that so much, but uh, I I like it. Like if y'all if y'all work out at a gym and you have your specific spot in your group class, you know everybody y- y'all know that. And then you you go to the, like you come in one day and there's a new person in the class and they're in your spot and you're like, how am I supposed to work out now? Like you just go home because you couldn't work out. You got to work out in your own one spot. So anyway, um. Fill out the membership card, or at least check it out. Grab one on your way out and check it out, and uh, and become a member because it's great. So we're talking about the things that make Life Church New Braunfels unique, and uh, so we we look at a, a lot of the things that people say, um, "Come as you are." Like churches say, "Come as you are," and I have been into churches that did not mean that, because I came as I was, like just t-shirts. Holes. I remember I went to this big church in Houston. And I had holes in my jeans at the time. I had a mohawk, and I was obviously—it's not funny. It was uh, those of you that knew me—it's not many. Why did y'all let me do that? Like, so, so anyway, and I'm—I'm and I'm obviously not a regular member at that church, a regular person that goes there, and so. Um, I went in as I was, and people looked at me funny, which I'm used to. Obviously, people look at me funny, and and then they say, "Go greet someone that you haven't seen before." And I knew that when they'd said that, I was going to get some greeting. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, literally on the front row of the back section, so I'm wide open, and I'm like, waiting for people. Nobody talked to me. My feelings were hurt. Come as you are. Churches say, "Come as you are." Churches say we exist for the community. We're family focused. We have a timely message. Biblically based live worship; these are things that that most churches say. So, what are the things that make Life Church New Braunfels different? What are the things that make us unique? We are unique. I mean, I think that uh, somebody from outside of our church could come and meet any one of you and be like, "That church is unique. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a that's a unique church, <laughs> all right." Um, but I I love it. Like, I love that we are a conglomerate of crazy weirdos that love Jesus, and we're just trying to figure out how is it that we can live our life for Jesus at all times. The, the, the core value that we talked about last week was how we are wholly owned by God. When he bought us on the cross, he bought every part of your life. There's no part that you get to keep for yourself and, and kind of have it over here, and you say, I'm going to live for God all the time, except for this one thing that like I, I can't give this one thing up. I know I'm supposed to, but I just can't. Look, Jesus bought all of you on the cross. Every part of your life, there's no part you get to keep. Because that part that you get to keep will spoil the batch. So you got to give him all of you, every part. And when you can firmly grasp this concept of being wholly owned by God, all the other things in your life start to work. when you seek first, it's like, it's like he told us this. When you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness... All other things will be added on to you. So when you're wholly owned by God, all the other things start to work. That's in the Bible. I didn't just make it up. That's in the Bible. It is, it's real. It is in the Bible. Not to wrestle your neighbor. Anyway, we would rather do a few things. Life. Church. New Braunfels would rather do a few things really well than do many things poorly. Now. We don't have a missions department right now. We are absolutely all for missions. We just don't have a missions department yet because we can't do that fully and do it well. I am not against it. If somebody, it's just burning desire in your heart to be part of missions, then come and let's talk. Let's develop the missions department. But we're not going to do it until we can do it well. We're not going to, like, we don't have a service for men or a service for women or a, a service for young adults. We don't have that. We will at some point, I believe, but we don't have it yet because we can't do it well because we are going to do what we feel called to do as part of our mission. We're going to do it well, right? Are y'all are y'all for that? So our core values are like the anchor that holds us to everything we do. If we can't tie it back to our core values, then we're just not going to do the thing. And there are churches that do a lot of things that we just don't feel called to. There are churches that do food banks at their church. We just don't feel called to do that. And it's fine. We will help support those other churches that do it, but we just aren't called to do that. Okay? Y'all understand? So this past week, Stacy asked me, she said, hey, um, when the fall comes, we want to do some homeschool classes here at the church. We want to be able to use the building. And I said, okay, how does that tie into our mission? And she was Immediately with the answer. She's like, well, we're training kids up and the way that they should go. We're investing in kids' lives. We're giving a place where they can come and get, get connected. And even then, uh, families can get connected to the church. And so we, we just think it's really good. And I said, let's do it. It ties back to our mission. Let's do it. Like the, the thing with the, uh, the foster home uh, True Light that, we're, that we're, um, we're joining up with. That is part of our mission, to have an effect on the community, to to invest in young people's lives. Like So we're all about it. So I know so many of you have asked me, like, when are we going to start doing that? When is that going to happen? Next week, you are going to be challenged. I promise you. And you are going to be challenged to actually put your money where your mouth is. Not money. Put your life where your mouth is. You say, oh, I want to help. I want to do something. We'll see. Because like, y'all like to say, I'm ready to do something, we'll see, because if you don't, I know all of you that said something to me, I'm going to come to you, and be like, hey, liar, you said you want to do something, so let's do something, so today, uh, our core value that we're going to talk about, they kind of all tie together, is the gospel, the community, and the culture, when we can balance these things well in our lives, then you are able to achieve, and you're able to do all the things that God calls you to do. So the the scripture section we're using today is Matthew 16. We're not going to walk through it like we normally walk through it. Um, If you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, we're going to go through our core values for I don't know how long, at least till the end of this month. Um, But we have been going through the Gospel of John. And we go through the Gospel of John verse by verse by verse. And we do that so that we can't skip the things that are uncomfortable to talk about. We have to actually talk about all the things. So we're not going to do Matthew 16 like that today, but we are going to go through it. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi was a place where all the pagans, the people that were anti-God, all of those people hung out there. There were no Christians there in Caesarea Philippi. And so Jesus constantly had this impulse to go where people that didn't agree with him were and y'all are very similar online where you love to go where people don't agree with you that's not what we're talking about jesus went to those places with purpose on purpose with purpose and so in mark 10 that, see that they were they he would always go to these places can you imagine when they're going to this place where, uh, where they know there are some godless people there, some bad people, some bad dudes up in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus like, hey, guys, we're going to Caesarea Philippi. And they're like, Jesus, you know about that place? And he's like, yeah, I know. Let's go. And can you imagine they were scared? Like, I don't know if we need to go there. And in Mark 10, it says that, that they followed Jesus and they were afraid. They followed Jesus and they were afraid. I I want to challenge you. If you're never afraid of what your life would look like, what it would be like, if you really follow Jesus, let me just tell you, you're not really following Jesus. You're adding Jesus to your plan that you already had. Instead of submitting your full life to Jesus, because you, you have to get to a spot where if Jesus doesn't show up, we're going to crash and burn. Like, you have to have him. It's like Peter stepping out of the boat. What if Jesus didn't say, come? And, Jesus, and Peter's just like, oh, look, there's Jesus. Let me come out there. He would have just stepped out of the boat and sunk immediately. That's not, he was only able to walk on the water because Jesus said, come. And so if Jesus didn't say, come, and he, he would sink. If, but Jesus did say, "Come." So when Jesus tells you to do something, if you can do it on your own power, that's not a God thing. That's a you thing, and it's nothing nothing wrong with you things. But sometimes you have to live and do God things, where it will not you will not have success unless God shows up. Right? Are y'all with me? So, for instance, whenever we came and planted Life Church. I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm, y'all can attest to that. Like if you've been around me for 10 minutes, you're like, man, what is happening? This guy is not, how did he even get dressed? Like, uh, So we didn't know how to plant a church. We've been around ministry for a long time, but we didn't know what it's like to plant a church. I've never been part of a church plant. And, and there were many, many, many times where I pr- literally prayed the prayer. God, if you don't do something, we're both going to look pretty bad here. So I'm going to need you to do something for your own namesake. Like, I mean, I care about, I really, I care that I look good, but I really care if God looks good. And so we have done many things where we're like, God's going to have to show up or this is going to fail. And what's really cool is he just keeps showing up. Like he just keeps showing up when we're doing stuff. And you know why that is? Because y'all are like, look, we only want what God wants for us. So let's do that thing. And we just keep going and keep going and keep going. And God keeps, he is so faithful, right? So it goes on to Matthew 16. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah, the anointed one. You are the God who came into human history, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and and is going to rise again. In order to take the wrath that belonged to me, you're going to take it on yourself so that I can have a relationship with the perfect God. Our lives, our church It needs to revolve around this reality that Jesus is who he says he is at all times. People in our culture like to have this vague concept of God. And and they say, yeah, I believe in God, like God out there. We're not talking about this vague concept of God. We're specifically talking about Jesus. And And it's not if you work hard enough that someday... Jesus will be enough to save you. Jesus has already saved you. You are currently on the path to eternity. Your eternity has already started. You are on your way if you ask Jesus to save you. And that's it. The payment has been made. You are free from all of it. Doesn't matter if you perform for him. You don't have to perform for him to love you. The gospel comes along and it blows everything. It should blow everything in your life up that you've you've totally misunderstood the gospel and the message of Christianity if you think that if you're a good little boy or a good little girl, that someday God will love you enough in order to save you. You've already been saved. You cannot trust in your performance for him. You have to absolutely trust his performance for you, and the thing that he did for you is what saved you. So whenever you are living your life for him going forward, it's not because you're trying to earn anything. It is because you are trusting that he did everything for you and you're just showing him that you love him. It's just an outward, it's an outpouring of your, of your life, of your heart, that your love for him causes you to do the right thing it causes you to serve his people it causes you to serve people so that they can know him that's why you do all the things you do you don't do all of any of those things for performance literally the way that you read your bible look i have to to talk about a, a concept that we that we can fall into where we're just trying to be like jesus We think whenever we read our Bible, if we could just be like Moses or we could just be like Joseph or Jacob or Esther or David. God forbid we're like David. Y'all know David's story, right? Like we think, oh, I just I David was a man after God's own heart. I just want to be like David. Y'all know some of the stuff David did. Like David was he he slept with someone's wife and then killed the guy. Like, David was a murderer and an adulterer. Like, yeah, let's be like David. That's a really good, high target for us to point at. It's not, these people that we think of as as these biblical examples, those people were a disaster. Those people were absolutely, they were sinful like us. They were broken people like us. And God somehow used them to do miraculous things. And, And when they submitted their life and their heart to him, he was able to use them. And God wants to use you. When you submit your life and your heart, he wants to use you in mighty ways. But when we realize that this thing about ourselves, that that we are broken apart from Jesus, then that is what makes Jesus even more beautiful because he is he is the one that saves us we we realize the depth of our own sinfulness and our own brokenness and there's no way we can do anything good on our own no matter how hard we try it will cause you to fly to Jesus and say look the only way I can do any good is that if I trust Jesus with my whole life there's no part that I hold back for him because there's a lot of preaching and a lot of teaching that tells people to be like Jesus. You will not hear me teach. You need to be like Jesus. Last week I said that if, if you, you can look around the room, everyone look around the room. I want you to look at these beautiful people around the room. There's only one person in here who is the worst person in here. Okay, Everybody else is better than at least one person in here. Every single other person. As a matter of fact, half of you are below average. That's how average works. 49.9. So the reason I say this is because if you, if you, you can always compare yourself to other people and we do compare ourselves to other people. You can sit there and lie to me and say you don't, but I know you do because you're a terrible person on your own. You are. We all are. So what we, what we like to do is find somebody that's worse than us and we're like, at least I'm not that, right? Look at that joker. Like, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. And and so we think we're okay because if you just have to be someone that's comparing yourself compare yourself to Jesus and you'll say, "Wait a minute, I'm not good at all. I am a terrible person. It is true. I am broken. I am messed up. I need Jesus to just be Jesus and trust that Jesus is Jesus. He is a good example, obviously, but When people say, you just need to be like Jesus, it it doesn't start with the assumption that there is no way you can be like Jesus. There is no way you can be perfect in every way. You already failed. You can't be like Jesus. You need Jesus now, not just in the end. We think of Jesus as Savior all the time. We think of Jesus as our, our, at the end of our life, we'll need Jesus to be Jesus. No, you need Jesus to be Jesus today. In order to get you through today, you need Jesus to be Jesus. You are not the salvation of your own problems. You we we want to look at all of the problems that we have in life. Like, you know, the reason I'm like I am is because my kindergarten teacher (laughs) is so bad. Or my my family is messed up. Look, some of my family watches. If it's up to your family. I would not be standing here because my family is pretty messed up. Okay? Some of y'all have pretty messed up families. You can keep blaming your family, but what is that going to get you? You can keep blaming your mom and dad, but what is that going to get you? It's going to keep you in that rut. You can blame your you can bl- blame your your poverty. I grew up really poor. You can blame your politics, you can blame politicians. I mean, we do that all the time. You can blame the government. You can blame the education system. You can blame your spouse. You can blame your kids. You can blame anyone you want. But let me tell you what the common denominator is for every single one of your problems. It's you. You are causing your problems. And you think, well, if I can just be like Jesus, I can get out of my problems. You are not the salvation for your own problems. You cannot fix your own problems. The reason you have your problems is because you keep trying to fix them on your own. You keep trying to grab that steering wheel and control the path of your life. And as long as you keep doing that, you're gonna stay in the situation you're in. Jesus is not an external example of a guy that we should strive to be like. Jesus, if you are a Christian, you've asked Jesus in your heart, that means he's on the inside. And, that, and if you will submit to that You will get out of your problems because you will find that there is actually a better way to live. He is the God of all creation. He is dwelling in your heart and He should be leading you from the inside out. So you should stop striving and working and toiling and doing the ups and downs and just let Him lead you. Stop leading Him and let Him lead you. You keep saying, Jesus, let's go and fix this thing. Instead of Jesus, what's next? Where are we going? What do you want us to do? Because he doesn't say, I said this before, he doesn't say, go and do that thing. He says, let's go and do that thing. And he's with you always to the end of the age. So the whole theology of what would Jesus do, it's a cool concept of what would Jesus do. And it's the, the reason I, I do like the idea of what would Jesus do, because Jesus would conquer all. There's the answer. But you saying, before I make this decision, what would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't make the decision you're going to make. He wouldn't do it the way you're going to do it because you're going to look out for you. And he's going to look out for his own glory. And so when you say, what would Jesus do? If you keep doing that and what you're going to see is you're going to keep failing. And that's going to crush you because you don't do what Jesus would do. So you submit to. Jesus leading you in your life. Because I can tell you that this whole idea of I'm trying to be a good person, that's called religion. You can't strive and work and toil and just you're just going to keep failing and failing and failing. You don't have to work your way up to the top of the mountain where God is because God came down from the mountain to where you are. And you don't have to work your way into the good spot where God's fine. Now he's going to accept me. Now he's going to love me. He already loved you. The Bible says when you are at your worst is when he came down and died for you. You don't have to earn any of that. And for some reason, we fall into this concept where when we ask Jesus, the moment, if you remember the moment you asked Jesus to come and save you, you knew you were in a bad spot. You knew that there was no way that you could ever be good enough. But he, you accepted his love anyway. And, and, you, and you, you knew where you were at that moment. Listen, you on your own have never gotten any better. <laughs> like you haven't improved since then. The thing that has changed about you, though, is your eternity is now his. Like you belong to him now. So we, we ask Jesus into our heart when we're younger. Younger than now. You asked Jesus in your heart. And you knew at that moment that you were a messed up, wretched sinner. And you needed him to save you. And then you start living your life for him. And you start doing some things where they're good things, they're godly things, and you keep doing these things. But then you mess up and you think, Oh, God's mad at me because I failed him. Like he wasn't he wasn't relying on you to keep him up. He wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I could do to let you down. It's a song lyric. You want me to sing it? <laughs> that's funny, half of them is like, no. <laughs> you all even heard me sing. It could be good. It's probably not. You, you get to this spot where you're like, God is angry with me because I have sinned. He's no more angry with you today, sweetheart, than he ever was. He doesn't love you more when you're doing good and love you less when you're doing bad. That's the gospel. He came and he saved you and he's still saving you. The sin that you're going to do this week, let me, newsflash, you're going to sin this week. He's already paid the price for that sin. It's already already been forgiven. Now, you don't have to do it. You're going to, but you don't have to because you have power over that sin. You have power over that temptation when it comes. So Jesus said that it is finished. That means you don't have to add to it. He doesn't mean it's finished as long as you keep trying really hard. He means it's finished. It's over. It's paid for. It's done. Your forgiveness is absolutely, totally full. Your sin doesn't have to affect you eternally anymore. And when you start to get that in your bones, and you start to understand that that. You're striving and you're working and you're toiling and your ministry and the things that you're doing for God are not earning you brownie points with Him. You're doing that because you love Him. You don't have to. He, he gives you this new identity, and you can live in that identity because He says that you are His beloved no matter what. On your worst day, He calls you His beloved. And your righteousness is not based on you, your righteousness is based on His righteousness. And that is so good because that frees you up from the mistakes that you've made being your identity. Your identity is in him, not in your past mistakes, not in the things that you used to do that were sin. Not Even though you were identifying yourself as the sin, you don't have to identify yourself as a sin anymore. You just identify yourself as his in every way. And God frees you up from that and he uses you not because of you but in spite of you and the gospel starts changing your heart and that's the thing that drives you it's not about the glory of you it's about the glory of jesus amen Amen. so in matthew 16 it says and jesus answered him blessed are you simon bar jonah for for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and i tell you You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I will build my church. My church. My church. Not your platform. My church. This is is such a, a big concept because we have celebrity preachers that have the church as their platform. And I'm not saying that everything they do is bad. I'm just saying a lot of what they do is not biblical. This is not my platform. I, we are not building a celebrity, like, and, and we don't really have to worry about that here, but we're not building a, like, <laughs> y'all will always keep me in my place, and I really appreciate that, because like, I don't have feelings, so it's great. <clears throat> but Jesus is saying, I didn't save you for your glory. I saved you for my glory. Like I saved you so that you could glorify my name and make me famous and not make you famous because uh, Jesus is most glorified in the work of the church whenever the church is doing the church work. And so when people say, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not coming to church this week and I know sometimes you have to miss church, it's fine. I'm, I, I do not try to make you feel guilty about missing church. But if I notice you're not here, I will message you. You. And, and if I haven't ever messaged you, it's because I don't like you. I'm just kidding. If I haven't ever messaged you, it's because I, I didn't do it on purpose, I promise. But there are people that if I don't see them, I'll send them a message and say, hey, we missed you at church. And then a lot of people are like, why is he like hounding me? Like, I'm not trying to hound you. I just, when you don't come to church and you watch online, good for you. That is good for you. You get something out of it. We don't. Like, you're robbing us of you. You are part of the body. You are part of this group. You you being here benefits all of us. You not being here only benefits you. Like, you're the only thing, only one getting something out of church online. And I know sometimes you have to do that. And it's perfectly fine. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about it. But sometimes you watch church online, you're like, oh, that's really good. I love that. Amen. And none of us heard you say amen. Like, we want to hear you say amen. We want to see your beautiful faces. And it, it encourages us when we get to see you at church. When the church is working, the church is gathering and glorifying Jesus, and we, you're using your giftings and your talents and your callings, and we all come together, and we can all do amazing things that God has called Life Church New Braunfels to, and we have been put in this community for such a time as this, and it's your responsibility as being part of the church to use those gifts and those talents and those abilities to glorify God as part of us, because when you're using your gifts, it makes us better. It makes me better. It makes you better when the person sitting next to you is running after Jesus with all they've got, and they're doing it fully. It makes the person next to you better when you're doing it the right way. Amen? So um, when, we use, when we use what we're gifted for, it helps the entire community. See, you want to see a great awakening occur, and, and I, I, some people would say revival, but we say great awakening because some, y'all are so political, and I know that y'all, y'all recognize that statement. So this, we want to see a great awakening in our community, and it begins with you serving the children. That's where the great awakening starts. That's where revival starts, when you will do the little thing, the very easy thing, and whenever you will do all that you can do in order to glorify God. And it starts with a very little thing. When you just serve in the little things, God will equip those little things and he will supernaturally infuse th- his spirit into those things and it and it helps all of us and it helps the community when you do those real cultural things ha- happen whenever we walk it out real cultural change happens whenever we are just submitted to god and what he wants to do and it and this doesn't fall on me as the pastor you cannot rely on me to preach the gospel to your neighbors. You have to preach the gospel to your neighbors. I am not going to come to your house. And preach the gospel to your neighbors. Because you were scared to. If you're scared to preach the gospel. Let me just tell you. Quit it. See? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But lightning strikes on you. There is... There is not going to be a time where you're like, okay, now I'm ready. If you don't feel ready right now in this moment, you're never going to feel ready. So what? Do it anyway. Like, what's the worst thing? Think about your scariest neighbor. We all have scary neighbors. Like, I I don't know where y'all live, but I have scary neighbors. And so, I'm scanning my brain. Do I have any neighbors in here? (laughs) What's the worst thing that's going to happen? The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to be like, well, you're a weirdo. That's This is our persecution in America. You're a weirdo. Okay, you're right. Like, what's the best thing that's going to happen? Their eternity has changed forever. Like I feel like that's the scale is way more on the side of, you should probably just do that thing. Um, it, it's not the church leadership's job to accomplish the mission of the church. It's all of our job to accomplish the mission of the church equally. The, the mission of the church falls on my shoulders in equal weight as it does on your shoulders. And I don't mean all of your shoulders. I mean you individually. We all have a responsibility. I'm no more important to the success of this church than you are because we are all part of a body. And the, the, the body needs every part in order to work. And I know that, like, I, I feel like this, is, I'm, I'm preaching to a crowd that already agrees with this. So let's all do it. Like, you agree with it, so let's all do it. We're never going to see spiritual re- renewal or revival if we're just waiting on the leaders in the church to do it all. Because look what Jesus said about the church. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed on heaven he didn't say i will give the pastor the keys and then he can do the work and y'all can just listen to him doing the work like if y'all look i have i continually say how ill-equipped i am for this job i i have no idea how this is happening every week when y'all come in i'm like they're back <laughs> Like, how? I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. All I know is I'm just going to keep submitting to the Lord. That's me. I'm just going to keep submitting to the Lord and say, all right, you're going to have to do this again. Because I don't have the skills. I don't have the abilities. But he gives the keys to the kingdom of heaven to all of us. All of us have a responsibility as the church. You have, you have this thing in your heart that maybe is a, it seems like a small thing. But you, you think it's a God dream. Look, we're here to equip you to do that God-sized dream. And whatever it is, we're going to help you. If it's part of the mission of the church, you're going to have a lot of us joining in to help you. If it's just part of your personal ministry, we'll get behind that and we will help you individually to do that. It may not be a ministry that we can do at the church. If it's not part of the mission, we're not going to do it. The church isn't going to do it. But if you come and tell me, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to start a food kitchen in downtown San Antonio, I personally will go and volunteer at your food kitchen. I promise you I will. But the church may not because that's not what we're called to. Do you understand? So do you remember the first time you got keys? For me, it was the the first time I got a set of keys that were my keys. was through my 1986 Chevy S10 truck. My grandpa gave me a truck, and I was the happy, I was like, I can go anywhere and do anything. Like, my parents didn't agree with that, but I can go anywhere and do anything. And uh, whenever at, at Chick fil A, whenever I first got register keys, I was like, I am the man. Look at me. And I can, like, because you can, whenever that somebody has a problem, they come to you and they're like, hey, can you come open my register? I forgot to give them change. I'm like, yes, I can. You go over and like act like I'm the boss of something. Um, keys mean responsibility. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, keys always mean responsibility. And we have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed. Like, we have a responsibility. And, and we continue to think that we are the ones on the defense. And it's just not so. And in China... This may seem like a weird transition. In China, they had this uh, this thing during the Cold War. It was called the Bamboo Curtain. Um, and it was this demarcation line between communist China and the non-communist countries around them. And so what communist China did is they started to, uh, they nationalized all of the church buildings, and they, they started to either kill or imprison every church leader. And so the Western Christianity said, all right, well, Christianity is going to die in China because there's no leaders there to run the church. So fast forward 50 years. There's not a million Christians in China. There's 50 million Christians in China. And that's probably a low number. There are millions and millions and millions of Christians in China. And they came and they, they, they took all the buildings away. They took all the leaders away. And then the church had to wake up and just be the church. That's what it looks like when the leaders aren't in the way. See, we have celebrity leaders and churches in America, and the celebrities are in the way of the church being the church, and it's it's this this that is why. Inside you, you have an apostolic gene that is burning to evangelize and tell people about Jesus. That is a supernatural thing for you to be the church that you're supposed to be, to do the things that we're supposed to be escorting heaven to earth by the way that we live. The people around us should look at the way that we live and say, there is something about those people. There's something different about those people in a good way. They're already saying it, but in a good way. That there is something beautiful about the way that they live. They have peace when it doesn't make any sense to have peace. They have this way that they're living. And people should be saying this about you routinely. But instead, you go to Walmart and you are Karen. And you're complaining about people having their baskets in the way. And you're like, these people are just... They should just learn how to drive. They should just learn how to walk. They're in my way. That's not loving You're supposed to be loving people into eternity, and you've been called to do that by God. And that is what our church is here to train you, to be that. Y'all are with me, right? The gospel, community, and the culture. Confronting culture has always been a personal core value for me. I I continually will speak out. Those of you that don't follow me on Facebook, I write uh, a devotional. Almost every day. It's not every day, but it's almost every day. And a lot of times, that has to do with the cultural issues we're facing. On, like, there are things that I can say on my personal Facebook that I cannot say on this stage. So some of you are like, "Ooh, I want to read that." Like, yeah, it's that. Uh, the importance of it, I think, confronting culture. The importance of confronting culture has never been as important as it is right now. And I understand some people don't believe that should happen in churches. Those people are wrong. It's most important. This is the most important place that that should happen. I've heard people um, say that you should never talk about. You should never talk about um, um, politics at church. Look, I can't stand up here and endorse a specific candidate. And I won't. And it's very, it would be almost impossible for me to say, you should vote for this person because there, I have not, I can't remember the last person that I was like, I absolutely trust this person would be and do the things that they say they'll do. i i have to know them personally to do that. So I can't endorse, I legally can't endorse a specific candidate anyway. But I can tell you that you should line up your voting with your biblical values. And if you cannot line up your voting with your biblical values, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to supernaturally help you to understand those things. There are things in culture that are going on right now that we have to understand. We have to have a biblical value with those things um, because it's, there's so many things. It is so clear to me that the Bible says this and people are doing this. Why are these things so far apart? The Bible says this And a lot of Christians are doing this. Why are these things so far apart? We have so many Christians that are failing. And hopefully not with us. Hopefully you are looking through the lens of the word of God. And that is how you are lining up the way you view culture. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My life is driven by the fact that people die every day without knowing Jesus. And I have an ability and a responsibility to preach the gospel to them. Everywhere I go, y'all won't believe this, but I, when I go into public, it is entertaining. Because I talk to everyone all the time. And I try to make people laugh because I feel like if I can make people laugh, I can preach the gospel to them. That's why I preach the way I preach. Because I feel like if I can just get them to put their guard down, they will hear some truth from me. They will listen. And we, for some reason, forget. We think that those people are our enemies. Those people are not our enemies. They're our enemies in in a spiritual place. The people that you can see with your eyes, those are not your enemies. Those people have fallen for a trap. And, And they need you to speak truth and to shine light on that. Right? So, gates... The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates, the gates of hell are a defense. No one picks up gates and runs out into battle. Like, hey, let me attack you with this gate. No, the gates of hell are our defense. But we sit there and whine that evil is coming at me from every direction. Like, that's because you're weak. That's because your light is dim. If you want to, if you want to understand how to defeat darkness, shine your light, dummy. Because light always defeats darkness always not sometimes always defeats darkness so if evil is coming at you from every side what do you care you can defeat it easily with just shining light being being the light that reflecting the light of Jesus in every situation we act like we're on defense we are not on defense we are on offense kids we are on offense we are the ones that can defeat the darkness because we have the light living inside of us. They should be on defense. Evil should be on defense. The gates of hell will not prevail against the darkness. It's like we need to go up to the gates of hell and kick it down and say, the rescue squad is here, let's go. And, and say, let's go. We, we got to get people saved. We, everywhere we go, we got to get people saved. And we're trying to reach people that are behind the gates of hell because they are on their way to hell. And we have the answer. We are going to change this hellbound culture around us by speaking truth and living truth. Always, always. Not shying away from the hard stuff, but finding the people that just need an ounce of love in their life and loving those people because we have the ultimate answer to everything that goes against truth. Jesus. Christianity is the best possible way someone can live even if we didn't have jesus at the end saving us even if heaven wasn't waiting on us christianity still is the best way to live right now on the earth it is the best answer to the questions of origins it's the best answer to the questions of morality it's the best answer to the question of destiny all of these things are answered by jesus if if I, I like to argue the, the if there is, no, there is no God thing because it's so easy to prove that there's a God, right? You, you know that there is a creator because we have creation. If we didn't have creation, then maybe there wasn't a creator. When, when you say the, the whole right and wrong, people are like, well, I don't believe in, in moral values. I don't believe in, in right and wrong. Well, why do you not go around murdering people? well, you don't murder people because murder is wrong. And people can sit there and say, no, I'll, I'll go to jail. That's why I don't murder people. The only reason you don't murder people, if somebody ever tells you the only reason they don't murder people is because they'll go to jail, please don't hang out with those people. <laughs> because as soon as they can not, like, find somewhere to put your body like, and not get caught, like, that's where you're going to be, in like in the swamp somewhere. So our culture tries to live like there are no objective moral values, and this this year, um, the whole um, it seemed like there's there's been more of an attack on our kids, like during Pride Month and the the drag shows that they were taking kids to. I know that y'all saw this, and that's not a place for children. Like, why would parents? Take their children. There's a spiritual attack on our kids because if they can get our kids at a young age, that they, can, they will be pulled off into all these other directions where there's confusion with sexuality and there's confusion with, uh, with truth. And that is not godly. So um, our, our culture tries to say, well, there's not really objectively, there's not really right and wrong. If you don't think there's right and wrong written on the, the human heart, go cut in line somewhere. And see what happens. Because everybody knows. It's not, it's not a thing. It, everybody knows. If you cut in line, it's, people are going to get mad. No matter what. Like if you ever see... Um, we used to go to this youth camp where um, there was like 1,000 people at youth camp. And 1,000 people eating all three meals out of the same cafeteria. And so what our guys would do is we would get up super early. And we would be in the first 50 people to go eat breakfast. And what the group in front of us inevitably would always want to let their friends cut in line. And we would be like, no, nah, we will kill you. No, no, you cannot do that. And they're like, well, they're letting us. They said we can. It's like, you've got to ask everybody in line behind you. if like, And I'm saying no, so don't even pass me no. And cut in line somewhere. See if somebody has some moral values. They will tell you, you can't do that. You cannot do that. The fact that you have objective Moral values points to the fact that there is an objective moral value giver. Look, you don't learn moral values from from evolution, or f- because if it's survival of the fittest, then what, look, no one the one person is going to make it in here. Probably Jr., but nobody like <laughs> one person can literally kill everyone else in here, and then they're the only one that makes it like that's 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 what your evolutionary moral values will get you it just doesn't work and and the fact that that people believe in evil means that there's a good and that means that there's a god so how do we reach a culture that thinks in this particular way we we have to show them that christianity really does answer all of the questions. It, Christianity answers all of these questions in a rational way. And you may think, well, there's a lot of people that just aren't rational. They live by their emotions. And they live by their feelings. Not everyone. So if you know people in your life that always live by their feelings, I'm about to like open up a whole world of, of a way to reach those people. Here's how you reach people that live by their feelings. Love them. Serve them. Earn your way to where you can speak rational truth to them. Because at first you may not have to. And you're like, well, that's not fair. I shouldn't have to earn my way. Okay, you shouldn't. Do it anyway. Like, I don't care. Like, what? you're going to argue it. Like, just love them. Do things for them. And then at some point, I promise you, I've seen it happen a million times. They will ask you about your Jesus because your Jesus is serving them now through you love them, serve them, and then speak rational truth to them because they live by their feelings. We all know people that live by their feelings, and you loving them will draw them in to a place where the, you can, they can let their walls down so that you can speak truth and you can say, look, I have earned the right to say this to you. And I've had to say this with people that I, I serve and love. Like, look, I've earned the right to say this to you. I've earned the right to challenge you on this. And you know that I'm doing it out of a place of love. And, I, and this is why you need to stop being so stupid and doing that stupid thing. Because you're stupid and you're making other people stupid, so stop being stupid. okay? And that's how I, that's all my counseling. So all of you that want counseling, you don't want counseling from me. You do not want it. I, look, I recently had a couple that said they wanted counseling. And I said, you don't. And they said, we do. And I said, you don't. Said, we do. And I said, Okay. <laughs> so we sat down and the one that initiated the, the counseling thought I was gonna get on the other one. And I and I didn't have to get on the other one. The other one was repentant. I had to get on the one that asked for the counseling. And I said, Look, you're the idiot here. Like you think the other person's the idiot and you're the idiot. And so I had to walk them through why they were the idiot. And everyone left everyone left drained. Like we all left, like, oh God, that was terrible hated every bit of that like all of us left that but this you don't want counseling that's the only reason i say that i will counsel you but it's not we're none of us are gonna like it okay (laughs) we're all gonna get our feelings hurt we have to show people that christianity uh is really truly is the answer christianity doesn't only fulfill what's true it, it actually fulfills what works Uh, There are many people in our culture that all of their decisions are based on how they feel and what gives them happiness and joy. We as Christians cannot, we don't have the right to live like that. Because if we are only focused on what makes us happy and what makes us joyful, how does serving someone fall into that? You're not going to serve people if if you're so focused on your own happiness and your own joy. You're never going to sacrifice and serve people. Because that's not, sacrifice isn't fun. Sacrifice doesn't bring you joy. It does in the end, but it doesn't bring you joy in the moment. Trust me on this, your feelings are a liar. Your feelings will lie to you 24-7. Your feelings will, I, I talk about this in training. Like, I've, I've been a runner for a long time. I've run ultra marathons. I've run 5Ks. Like, I run all the time. In every single run that I ever do, I'm like, I hate running. Running is stupid. Why am I running? I hate this. But I don't base my training off of my feelings. You never get stronger if you, if you quit whenever it gets hard. Never. So you cannot trust your feelings. I want to, like, remember when you were first getting married? Speaking of feelings, I always want to talk to young couples and be like, look, we're just so happy. I love her, and she loves me, and life is good. We're just going to live on love. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to live on love. That's dumb. So I want to say, like, I just love to build a time machine and fast forward 10 years. It's like, hey, look, she's in them sweatpants again. She don't care what you think. Like, and they haven't touched for like a month, like they don't, they don't talk to each other, they pass by each other, and, and there's this, it's just ugly, because you don't base things off of feelings, because your feelings come and go. Your feelings, will, will, your feelings will lie to you 24, 7. And let me just tell you this: If it's based on feelings, if you base your marriage on feelings, you're not going to be married very long. You're not it cannot be based on that it has to be based on this covenant that you made which is so much deeper and so much more than feelings if if your significant other this is like a side note if your significant other is going to find affirmation somewhere and hopefully you're giving them that you're 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 building them up because you know the the guy like is at work he's the boss and so he's like the man at work and then he comes home and he feels incompetent because you just you didn't even give him a chance to tell you about his day you just started telling him about yours and you just crush him and that happens so often i'm not look if that's you and you're in this room i don't know like i no one told me to say this like your wife did not come or your husband did not come and say hey randy say this today because my wife really needs to hear this like your your wife is going to find that affirmation somewhere so you should be sh- you should find that love with each other and sometimes marriage is a sacrifice you have to serve your spouse sometimes intimately you have to serve your spouse and it's not even about like you're not always going to burn with passion for each other like you did when you were young in your marriage. Sometimes you just have to serve your spouse. And it's important that you do that so that they're not looking for that affirmation somewhere else because they're going to find it. Okay? Okay, that was a side note. It has nothing to do with sermon. Be careful. Be careful doing what feels good. Wow, it actually does have something to do with sermon. Your feelings will destroy your life. Nothing lasting can be based off of feelings. Important that you understand, It's not. it doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid or, or that your feelings are invalid. It just means that your feelings cannot have the steering wheel of your life. Your feelings cannot jump from the back seat over the Secret Service agent and grab the steering wheel <laughs> and then choke the Secret Service agent. You understand? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Your, your, your feelings do not get to be in control, okay? Your, <laughs> I tried to say it without laughing, okay? Your feelings do not get to say where you go. Your feelings do not get to control the presidential limousine, okay? Your feelings do not get to say what you do in your life. It doesn't mean your feelings don't matter. It just means your feelings don't matter most, You have to covenant yourself to something that transcends how you feel. Which means on the days you don't feel like reading your Bible, you read your Bible anyway. On the days you don't feel like serving your your family, you serve your family anyway. Because you have a covenant. On the days you don't feel like living for Jesus, guess what? You preach the gospel anyway. Because it's not about your feelings. It's about the covenant that you have made with the Lord. Let me finish with this. Simon Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. He is alive. And and here's the question that we really have to answer because is he who you truly treasure? Like, do you actually treasure Jesus above everything and everyone else? Is he truly your treasure? Because I can tell you that Satan can argue the resurrection way better than you can, but he is not treasuring Jesus it's not about the facts. It's about what in your heart do you treasure most? Because it, it, in your life, if you truly do treasure most, and you're seeking for his glory, we trust our eternity with Jesus easily. We easily trust, but we need to trust our today with Jesus. That's where we struggle because we just keep reaching for that steering wheel. And we say, well, that's scary going that way. Let's, let's go this way. He's taking you to the scary places sometimes. But he's there too. He's not saying go, he's saying let's go. Because we are going. Life church is going in a direction where it, it's probably gonna be uncomfortable here at times because there's gonna be people sitting in these seats that you're like, I don't know about them. Like there's people in here right now that we're like, I don't know about them. I want it to be one third of the people in here where we're like, are we going to get stabbed today? <laughs> like, I want to be uncomfortable. I want it to be people you're like, those people, those are not church people. Good, we're doing our job. Like I have talked about this many times but I want uh, ideally what our church is going to look like is a third of the church is going to be mature Christians who are all about it who are like on fire who love Jesus and a third of us are going to be mature people that are they're helping to lead the second third which are new Christians baby Christians that are just figuring it out and and the mature Christians are helping the baby Christians and then the other third bone thugs and harmony like, the other third is like gangbangers. They smell like weed when they come in here. Like, they might be a little drunk. Like, that's what, that's what I want one-third like that. And I don't mean I want one-third of the new Christians coming in smelling like weed, okay? I don't want one-third of the, of the mature Christians saying, "Yeah, I drank a little bit last night, but I'm not drunk. Like, I don't, that's not what I'm looking for. One-third mature Christians. That are that are training up these other these younger Christians. One third of new Christians that are like on fire for Jesus, and then one third of the people that that don't know Jesus yet. Which means we're going to have to continually be inviting those people because those people are going to hear the gospel, and then they're going to move to the one third of new Christians really quick, and then they're going these new Christians are going to move to the one third of where they're maturing Christians. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's going to look like. And I hope y'all are here for it because I'm going to push really hard for us to be bringing people into the church that are not church people. Because the church doesn't exist for you Christians. The church exists for those people that aren't Christians. That's what our church exists for. And I know y'all are here for it. I know y'all are in on it. Like I know that you want it. But that means I, I want to see you want it with your actions. I'm tired of hearing about how you're in on it. I want to see some actions, okay? Good. God, we thank you so much uh, that you have called us to be a church like this. We know uh, that you have set us here in this community for a reason. You set us here at this time for a reason. And God, we just ask that that those things will start coming to fruition, that we will be a people that are fully and totally submitted to you, that we will, not be, um, we will not have any fear knowing that you are the one that is controlling the ship. We trust you fully and completely because we belong to you wholly and completely. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.